Welcome to Opposable Thumbs. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Camouflage is our challenge this episode. Shout out to Charlene McBride for that challenge. Thanks, Charlene. Charlene is a previous guest, and when we don't have a guest, which we don't have this episode, we asked our previous guests to join in and give us another challenge, and we pick one from the list. And so... We picked Charlene's last episode, and that is camouflage. So that is her challenge this time around. Yeah, did you just uh, did you know what you were going to do right away, or did you have to ruminate? Mm. Oh, I ruminated. I ruminated. That's your thing, man. Yeah, it is my thing. I knew I, I had to ruminate right away. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yes. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun, and I'm a designer and run the exoskeleton art space here in Los Angeles. And I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY, hardware enthusiast, CAD cam evangelist, noted tall person, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. You're back from New York? Yeah, yeah. I have stories there for you. So one that I think you'll really enjoy up top that deals with Ranjit. Oh, so, cool. So I was in New York visiting with Adam Mayer, one of our yep. listeners and supporters, great guy. And uh, he is a longtime member, maybe even a founder of NYC Resistor. And so it turned out that I had met Ranjit. And I don't know if he already knows this, but it, it, it just occurred mm-hmm. to me, you know, because you have friends on the Internet and you don't yes, realize that yes. you've actually made meet space contact. But um, I yeah. had seen him some years earlier and Adam was really excited about um, a discovery Ranjit had made where he took one of those little, you know, those little LED votive candles so you don't have to make an actual flame. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're yeah exactly right. yeah they're like an inch and a half high or something yeah and they sort of flicker and whatever white plastic so yeah. so yeah. what what Rajit had figured out is the what one would assume would be like a little random noise generator that was making the flickering happen was actually just a um, a chip that had uh, the tune to Happy Birthday on it and then so what? presumably it was cheaper just to find like a bunch of chips that had this little song pre burned in from greeting cards or something. Oh and then sticking gosh. it in there, and the audio signal was actually just used as a visualizer for a single LED. <laughs> That's like totally one of those like moments of engineering ingenuity that yeah. you're just like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like, and like somehow, just nobody cared. They're like, yeah, great, fine, whatever. We, we got to tell Jen and Alvaro, man, that would be totally up their alley of the unnamed. Yeah, that's true. Reverse engineering. That's podcast. very true. Mm-hmm. I have one more thing, and then I want to turn the tables over to you. But I've been thinking and thinking all for the last two weeks, who is an artist across any media that I love, whose product I love, who I find completely reprehensible? Because we've been talking about R. Kelly. Oh. And I'm talking to tell my students about that. And, you know, like, Uh yes, uh I like Ignition. I genuinely can't think of a single other R. Kelly song. Although someone told me he did I Believe I Can Fly. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so did. that I did. I mean, that song I can live with that, you know. So yeah. So yeah. I, I was trying to think like, what's an, an example of an artist that it would cause me a lot of pain to decide just never to consume their materials again? And the one I came up with was the guy I can never pronounce his name, but the dude who um, uh, who did Ren and Stimpy. Do you know this whole story? No. Yeah. No. So is it John? How is this? It's like Krekfaluski, something like that. Mm, I don't know. So he. I'm going to have to find the article. I kind of wonder every once in a while, um, I know we have a very narrow audience, but do we need to say allegedly all the time like they do in, in the big leagues? <laughs> nah. But it, I think there was this big article <laughs> in uh, BuzzFeed that came out. I'm trying to get it to load, but I'm kind of um, stomping my uh, network right here. Ah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it through to you. 
So Ren and Stimpy, cool. you know, hugely influential on me, I would imagine yeah. you, you know, sort of vid- yeah, yeah, yeah. like like a, a cartooning style and um, capability that just sort of can't be beat except, I don't know, maybe Aeon Flex I'd put in there too. But anyway, um, so apparently mm. this guy was just um, allegedly uh, sort of farming uh, underage women. And so people would, oh my God. yeah, people would write to him and say, oh, I want to become a cartoonist. You know, I'm a woman trying to break into it, a high school student. And then he would say, oh, you know, come out and stay with me. And he'd sort of help them out. But apparently it was all tinged with this very sort of um, oh, no. uh, tit for tat kind of thing. Yeah, very disturbing. So I'm, I'm putting a link up here so you can check it out. But I feel like that's an example which kind of expresses my nerdiness as well. Or that one, like, if I just, it's not that I encounter it all that much. But I think even last, like two weeks ago, I, I put up an image that had originated from Ren and Stippy when we were talking about shaving the yak. And so there would would be an example of someone uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have to potentially just, you know, completely squeeze out of my life. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Dang. That's, that sucks. I know. Isn't that disappointing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting read. Mm. It's, um, I'm still trying to figure out, uh, the extent to which I take Buzzfeed seriously, but this particular article seemed to be really, uh, well reported and so on. So yikes. Yep. 16-year-old girlfriend. Hmm. <laughs> Indeed. It's bad. Yeah. Hmm. So that starts it out in the high note. What do you want to talk about, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've done some surreptitious soldering. Uh, Indeed. Uh, which I thought was, which I was very curious about how that went. And and did you ever, did, did you get kicked out of the bar or did they let you just uh, go for it? Well, so if you didn't catch our previous episode, uh, Nick Bontrager from oh, yeah. Texas and yeah. I... Uh, we yep. went down to the College Art Association conference, and we were trying to find a way to disrupt it in a happy way. You know, so a lot yeah. of it is, first of all, it's really expensive. Although they did roll out, I think a year or two ago, pay as as you will. But if you don't have a membership, I think it's up to like four hundred bucks. And then it's in mm-hmm. the Midtown Manhattan Hilton, and there's just a lot of it that's kind of ex- exclusive and maybe pushing away some other folks, right? Uh, so we decided to do this sort of badging thing that became popularized at DEF CON and to be in the bar, which is where the business really happens, you know, so we all read the papers and you go to the bar and that's where you sort of uh-huh. figure out visiting artist gigs and, you know, who's going to write about who and whatever. And so we took this little hot plate. Um, we have two of them very fortunately, cause mine, I could not, I could not get to work, uh, for the conference, but Nick's, we got to work. But, you know, like at the bar, it was hard to find a seat with a plug. And so, you know, it was like, it was a really big idea, but we wound up doing most of it in a hotel room where we just, people would say they were interested and we'd take them back to the hotel room and crack the window and solder up there and make little functional boards. So it it worked, but not exactly as we envisioned it. All right. So Rob. um, Let's do it. Let's do it. You are first. Should we watch this video? Okay, I'm pulling this thing up on Vimeo. Oh, something really good is happening. I'm paused. Are you playing? I'm ready whenever you are. Okay, I'm playing. I see a hanging sphere of sausages that look like like bloody ropes, like those things that you um, place on the ground to contain a spill in a warehouse, um, Mm -hmm. being hung by a bunch of string in a sort of white wall gallery-looking space. 
And now we're back to tools with the um, with some great examples of things you can use to um, turn a difficult corner while you're screwing something in. So there's a right angle drill, and then it looks like the hand tool is also flexible to allow for that kind of thing as well, like off-axis screwing. Yeah, so you got a little fancy hand tool that stores its bits in the back. What are we going to do, and what does it have to do with our bloody ropes? <laughs> Ooh. So you're opening up this uh, right-angle drill. I'm wondering if you're going to then use it for a uh, uh, the motion device, the thing that was turning that earlier sculpture or whatever that was. Well, we're clearly voiding the warranty. <laughs> that that right might now. be a world record for how quickly someone guessed what the... What the ch- <laughs> wow, so I just oh. I just got it, huh? Yeah. Okay, so let's keep playing this thing. Keeping uh keeping our screws in an Altoids tin. It's pro move. Uh so many contemporary tools really um go out of their way to be complicated injection molding parts when it's really unnecessary. Yeah. yeah. So you can kind of see what is just space filler and what is really doing it. Um so right now you're clipping out the um the leads that led to, I believe, the battery. Maybe because you're just going to hardwire it to the wall or a power supply or something. But yeah, it's clear that you want you want to get at that um, that high torque motor. Yes. Get rid of the switch. Mm-hmm. With the utility knife, Rob. I haven't seen you uh, mucking about in the uh, good old modernist gallery in a long time. What happened? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know. Are you ba- <laughs> are you back, or is this something you were doing with somebody else? That that I'll let you. Uh, I'll let that be a secret. I feel like the bloody the bloody ropes don't strike me as you. And then you've got these little XT60 connectors. They look kind of like a a tall house with a uh, angled roof. Uh, you're gonna add them to the wire so you can plug this thing in and unplug it. That's right. Those XT connectors are cool. They're like high amperage. You know, like mm-hmm. I think RC car people use them. Whoa! You're blowing my mind with the solder method. I have not encountered this before. So Rob is taking oh. two braided wires, and then whereas I just uh, sort of every fiber in my being tells me I have to twist them with my finger until they're as small a diameter as possible, Rob uh-huh. is actually uh-huh. fraying them out a little bit like a broom so that the two can push together. Uh, Rob, do you remember when um, Avatar came out? Oh, man, no. So so these big blue aliens, right, they had these braids, and they'd, yeah. like, plug the braid into an animal to drive it. That's kind of what oh, we got going on right it. here. Wow. You should check it out. It it had some interesting technology in it, although there was a great critique of it where they showed some, they had, like, the script of Pocahontas, the Disney movie, and oh, then man. they just substituted all of the proper nouns, and it was still completely Oof. accurate. All right, so we're getting our solder on. We're being very um, fastidious with our um, heat shrink tubing, keeping it color matched. I only do that because I have made the mistake before of like I looked, I glanced at the heat shrink tubing and oh, hey man, I I get it, it. was black and then I yeah for I sure. Up. And I figured with a lithium ion battery and like a high torque motor, it probably is a good idea to get that right. Yeah, the uh, well, those are the ones that catch on fire, right? Yeah, that's why I was like, if I reverse the battery connection, I'm going to be in pain. Oh, interesting. I don't know the controller board you're using. That's a new one to me. Aha. Uh, I'm going to... Oh, now we're going to zoom in on it. Yeah, we can pause there if you want to... Uh, well, it's a it's a Pololu product, so that kind of answers it, it for me. So it looks like it's it is. crafted for motion control and gating high amperage. Okay, great. Then we've got our little um, 
Arduino sketch. And uh, <laughs> so now totally separate from our bloody regs from before, we're using this. Um, oh, this is great. So inside this box that looks kind of like a crate, there's a, which I'm assuming is at the center of our bloody noodles. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're basically just taking a big hammer and placing it um, perpendicular to the axis of rotation of the drill. And then because it's so heavy on one side, um, it creates an off-center weight. And so if you flick it back and forth, you can get some kind of eccentric motion and wiggling um, in the sculpture. So, And then at the very end, you reveal that it looks like it you were building it for, for somebody else. That's right. It's Rebecca Weissman, who's, who's a great friend of mine, and... Mm -hmm. um, we were in grad school together and she, her opening will have happened when the, by the time this episode comes out, but her, um, show is this really amazing installation of like a whale hunting, like a post kind of whale hunted dismembered whale, like, nice. uh, <laughs> as a, as a scene, yeah, you know? Great. Um, and so she wanted, she contacted me originally quite a while back. Uh, and it took me a while to kind of get my head around the, it, the thing and then ship out the stuff to her but she's like i want the guts to be like like jiggling viscera you know yeah. <laughs> and so so i was like oh that's really interesting but you know and then you get into like all the constraints of the problem like oh the ceiling can't support a super heavy load and like it can't be like a free swinging thing because it's covered in guts so like there was just like all these you know things to like sort out and then we decided like we can make it jiggly it's easier to make it jiggly than it is to make it like pendulum swinging, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and we can do that through sort of a, a counterweighted rotational thing. And so that's how I got to being like, Oh, if I use, I'm going to use, I need something with high torque. I need something inexpensive and I need something that is like counterweighted in order. So when the drill spins, it introduces a, what is that? Like, um, eccentric movement yeah, i guess yeah um and so yeah so i ended up drilling a hole through the center of a hammer and using the hammerhead uh as the weight oh and then dude oh my god i just i just got there are you ready are you ready for me to blow your mind yes i think yes. that you need to make a series of work where you come up with the motion and then you contract out the content. Oh, yeah. Hell that's cool. yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So you can go out and tell your buddies and be like, this piece has eccentric motion. Go. And then they go. say it's viscera or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a great flip idea. Flip it over, man. That's really cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, oh, that board, by the way, is a, it's called the VNH5019 motor driver shield. Right. And uh, it is a Pololu. If you go to pololu.com, they have lots of cool robotics and electronic stuff. So if anybody's curious about controlling, uh, using an 18-volt drill to, uh, uh, using an 18-volt drill motor to uh, control something, like using Arduino, excuse me, to control an 18-volt drill motor, this board will handle between 5.5 to 24 volts, and a lot of them are just 12 volts. So an 18-volt battery wouldn't work. So that's why I went with it. Plus, it's badass it handles continuously like 12 amps per channel come on two channels so what? yeah what wow just for a dc motor yeah. yes yeah, yeah got it oh interesting wow that's pretty uh it's pretty beefy okay i think you take a lot of joy in making 
technical solutions for people whose work um, does not fall into that area. Like they might know a lot about X or Y, but you know, you're the person that comes in and gets like the device that checks on the, you know, current price of gold and reads it out or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever it happens Mm -hmm. to be. So is that your practice? Like is, or is that a secondary thing on, on the way to your practice? Yeah. I wonder that myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I think, in a way, it's almost sort of like a like a special effects house or something mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm yeah. making this film, but I need I need this thing to happen. Behavior. And so then yeah. you go to the special effects person to, or practical effects person, right, mm-hmm. to do that. I always like doing it because it's always such an interesting challenge that I would never have thought of myself. You know, it's like, oh, oh, you want to do that. Okay, well, we'll see. And then it does get in the way of like making your own stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because... Uh, Jen, a long, long, long time ago, was always like, you make these amazing documentation videos for people because you make this totally weird harebrained thing and then you have to like explain it to them because you ship it to them or whatever and then they have to like install it and maybe mm-hmm. you have to troubleshoot it remotely or whatever. And she's like, those are the best things you've ever done. And I was kind of mad at her, not mad at her, but I was like, oh man, like that's that's not the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. And then I decided finally, even this year, just to be like, well, maybe I should just put stuff like that up on YouTube and maybe people will like it. And like, right. I finally gave up and was like, I guess, I guess this is a thing I do that I do enjoy. I should just be happy that I enjoy it instead of like feeling weird about it. So right. you get to do more of the thing you enjoy instead of like having to like hustle for shows and stuff. Right. You know, um, I still feel a little bit conflicted about it, but I still really like making stuff for people. So, well, I think there's a story that the art world, um, and you know, we can debate what that actually means, but that we, you know, we, we, we are told the story and we then tell ourselves the story about what is real participation in a cultural discussion and what is not. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, like even the process of making this podcast, right. The one could say, well, if a thousand people listen to it, it's worth a thousand. But if two thousand listen, then it's worth twice as much. And and I try really hard to to mm, destroy mm-hmm. that impulse. And I would, yeah, I mean, I was yeah. just telling the story about you this week. Uh, I can't remember the context, but how I always really appreciated when you were running Dead Tech Gallery. You'd have open hours, and if one person came, you just talked to him for two hours. You know, uh-huh. and uh-huh. at least uh-huh. as an as an outsider to your brain. You know, I would just be like, dang, you know, Rob, he's really got it together. Like he's gotten beyond that sort of self-critical, worrisome, real art has to be this certain way and that you've made it. And of course, you know, nobody ever makes it. I mean, <laughs> when you talk yeah, to somebody, yeah, yeah. they, you know, we all yeah. have these concerns and, and I'm constantly telling my students about that too. Like who's the artist, you know, audience you want to talk to. And if you decide it's these two people and you effectively talk to them, that means you're doing great. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. whether or not I can take my own advice is is a big is the big if. My partner Audrey was just sharing a thing with me today about you know having your kid on social media without the ability to make informed consent is known as sharenting. <laughs> but the Whoa. you know notion that you'd like turn eleven and then you realize oh, you know pictures of me with my butt hanging out have been around online for ten years already and I I didn't have the option to say no. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I've managed wow. I've managed to stay out of that myself, but part of it is because I just hate looking at pictures of other people's kids. Like I don't <laughs> subject anybody uh-huh, to that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Rather than some like moralistic thing, but so yeah. I can imagine if you don't want to address this comment fully, 
And, uh-huh. and I have the utmost respect for, I'm sure the artist you're working with is a, is a completely interesting person, but I feel like the most interesting thing to me about that work, at least as it was documented, was the motion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I uh-huh. was not uh-huh. particularly engaged with the form. And so to me, like a lot of the formal impact of the work is just motion based. And so I could imagine you having a bunch of works that were just that hanging crate, <laughs> like moving around or swinging, right, or swinging right, a right, hammer or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, her, her, there's a lot more to her piece. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. So I, and I asked her to send, I was like, Oh, can you send me a video for the podcast of like mm-hmm. just it in action? I kind of wanted to contextualize it within her work, you know? Oh, of course, of course. And and uh, this is not to knock down that artist at all, but rather to build up your participation. Is that something that you maybe seek where you, if you don't have the responsibility to do the, the content, is that yeah. is that your way to sort of dismiss the stuff that you're less interested in and just get right to the point with the things that you like? Hmm. I did, hmm. Oh yeah, that's some that's some good dead air. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to think about that one. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, I made you yeah, think, bro. It you know yeah. one thing it did make me think about though that while I was doing this that's related mm-hmm. to that topic is um is movie credits. Yeah, if someone ever asked the question like, "What's a union ever done for anyone?" <laughs> and you know, filmmaking is such a massive effort, even for a small film, like most people come up, they're not just born a director unless you're like, sure, you know, happen to be the child of a, of a famous director or something like you, you come up through doing other things like set dressing or whatever, whatever. So like those credits, like they help everyone sort of get to where they want to be and like are proof that you worked on a thing, you know? Well, yeah, check out. So, you know, Roger Corman, right? The, no. Oh, really? The the king of the schlocky, awful movie. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't like know. Who... Piranha and all those just like oh, classic, really? like oh, cool. sexploitation, uh-huh. awful movies. So he kickstarted Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, Ron Howard, James Cameron. Wow. <laughs> the list just goes wow. on and on. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, let, let me just give you uh, some examples of movies that he did. Um, Slumber Party Massacre 3. Oh, man. Uh, yes. Munchie. Do you remember that movie from 1992? No. Carnosaur. what it was. Uh, he did um, Death Race 2000. Like, he just did all of these mm. movies that are all blood and guts and people getting their tops pulled off and that kind of thing. But he just, like, really understood, you know, we're going to spend 20 grand on this movie and we're going to make 100 grand and, you know go do it and then all these you know famous directors had to go through his shop and then cut their teeth there and then go off to do fancier stuff like he's sort of this vehicle for other people to like launch their yeah. career on you know it's neat. bloody mama cockfighter <laughs> and then but then he was so famous that he would get these bit parts in amazing movies like he was in the godfather part two not that you know people love the godfather part two but anyway yeah Check out Roger Corbin. You got to know about him. Piranha is a is a classic. I'd be aware of. Yeah. Occasionally, the thing I'm actually thinking about working on aligns with the challenge, and so camouflage worked perfectly because I was like, "Oh, I'm making a thing that's totally covered up." So, yep. I went for it. I hear. It. I did research a lot about camouflage patterns, though, which was pretty cool. But um, maybe I'll save that for another challenge. I got into it a little bit, but I I just know off the top of my head that a uh, 
the government spent a billion dollars on the um, yes. what was it the desert camo and it turned out it made you easier to see. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the, one of the digital camo yep. versions. Yeah, the digital. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Seemed like a good idea, but it was just some general you know, sitting on the john or whatever. <laughs> the science and like the the lobbying that must happen. Yeah. Yep. It must be really intense. All the know, kids these days weird. are into the digital. I also did end up in um, firearms YouTube land where people are like camouflaging their AR-15s and stuff. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. All right, boss. You ready to check, let's do check it, this next one? Yeah. Let's see what Taylor's got. The images I've got don't make a very good narrative on their own. Okay, yeah, actually, I have a pretty evocative one up top, so maybe um, you can just cool. walk through the images. <laughs> so. Whoa. You do have a... F- okay, so the first image... If you're listening with children in the car, just just turn away. <laughs> yeah, this is... Yeah, this is... There's a, a an adult moment that's about to happen when I describe this. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of seconds to... Uh, yeah, change change up if you need to okay it's a mm, okay it's a brick wall you're welcome and it's in an urban area and so it's like on a sidewalk it looks like the side of a building and there's some you know various weird pipes and stuff around it's the urban sidewalk scene right and then there's a boarded up window i assume Mm -hmm. it's maybe 16 by 16 small and someone has graffitied on this on this brown board i think what it is is <laughs> god and then there's a less than sign yeah. and then there's come yeah indeed <laughs> spelled c u m yep god is less than come <laughs> this was graffiti that i encountered in new york and i felt like it really summed up uh my experience of the bruce nauman retrospective yeah. Uh, so so there yeah. there was so much Nauman that they had an entire giant exhibition at MoMA in Manhattan and then they had the entire PS1 MoMA which is like four stories was all Bruce Nauman and let me tell you dude that Whoa. is a lot of Bruce Nauman that's a lot of Bruce Nauman oh, for sure and he, that was a show you went to when you were there yeah yeah so he um wow you know, I was there for this trip, and there's there's always this pressure when you go out there, of course, if you're not from L.A. or New York, right? So, you know, speaking back to what the art community tells us to, at what we should feel. And so you're there, and then you're trying to think, I need to, like, take in as much as humanly possible. And then, so I went to a Tolkien show, right? The the So J.R.R. Tolkien's, oh. all his drawings and maps and like preparatory materials, Whoa. which was really mind-blowing, but I knew I would like that. And then part of what yeah. I also tried to do was to go to a show for an artist I really hated and see if it would change my mind, mm-hmm. my mind at all, yeah. <laughs> so the typeface is like the most utilitarian, <laughs> hand-scrawled, like wax crayon. It's just like, God is less than calm. Okay, so uh, image number two. Ooh, so image number two, we have, I'm not sure who that is. 
That's Nick. But they, That's Nick Bontrager. Oh, it's Nick. Yeah. Oh, it's Nick. Oh, yeah, it sure is. Okay, yeah, cool. This is so so close up. I didn't. I, I I'm so used. To, I only know him through his profile picture on the Opposable Thumbs website. So yeah, cool. So Nick is placing surface mount integrated circuits onto the badges y'all were creating. I think, and those mm-hmm. badges are really cool. They're like Pac-Man ghosts. Yeah, which is really really neat. Um, and then, and that looks to be, oh, and it, it does have a telltale sign of looking like a hotel room because I see some vertical blinds in the background. Yep. yep that was a hotel room. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And some definitely like hotel, it's like the desk that they put in are like businessman will sit at this desk and compose his emails <laughs> before going to the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and there y'all are like with like stuff like duct taped down and like, yeah getting it making it happen uh-huh. so yeah some cool taking weird our, art, taking art, our art badge making <laughs> yes man making it happen teamwork makes the dream work oh I, wow i gotta give oh. credit to nick on that one that's his oh so image number three interesting is a tiny train track that's been made oh so this might be an iteration of the like photography track that Taylor talked about in a previous podcast, but I'm not sure. Yeah, you got it. But it's a similar setup. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Where it's like um So that platform is two the... feet by two feet. It's okay. a scale. Oh wow, that's scale big. Indicator, that's yeah. big. And so the track then is maybe six feet long or something like that. Four feet long, six feet long, but right in there. Mm-hmm. And there's some wires. So there's a, a platform little box, and there's some wires poking out of the platform. And I assume those wires are going to a motor or something because it has to motorize the. Yeah. The, oh, I see the motor. Yeah. So the motor has to engage uh, along the teeth in order to move the track forward and backward. And that looks like not in a hotel room. Uh, but it might be. These images are not really that related. I'm, I'm oh, trying, okay, I'm cool. trying to sum up um, a, a, a gestalt of what happened in the last oh, two weeks. Yeah, cool. Oh, uh, oh no! Image number four is a giant tooth, and it's by giant I mean the tooth is probably four inches long. It's like a big molar with the roots on it and stuff. Yeah. But it's not a real, it's, well, it doesn't seem to be a tooth from a human head. It's way too big. And then, oh, oh, wait. Oh, is that a, that's a, that's a gif. Okay. And so, uh, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) So the. Oh, my computer froze. Okay, here we go. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, whoa. Wait. Whoa. Okay. So it's... So... So... What we're getting is an animated GIF of, like, this giant tooth sort of being rotated around. And then... Whoa. And I'm going to go to image number five, mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. which is 
intense. Uh, it could be a lot of Taylor's blood. <laughs> it's it's not blood. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Uh, whoa! I don't know what that. I mean, this is, thing's pretty unreadable. But take a guess, and I'll tell you if you if you got it. it. Okay, so it's made out of wood, plywood, and it looks related to this track thing that we saw, but I'm not sure if it is or not. But there's just a lot going on. There's like red red paint spl- splattered all over it, or red something splattered all over it. There's a nail that's been hammered into it, with but with some like shugu or something or goop around the around where the nail was hammered in. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but that seems sketchy or impromptu or necessary for some reason (laughs) and then there's like a shattered piece of wood sticking out of this of plywood sticking out of this box so it definitely looks like an accident scene um, (laughs) in the shop or like something had to be cobbled together really quickly for some reason and i'm not i'm not sure what it was (laughs) here i'll tell you about it uh yeah cool so the the theme for the work the reason I showed that uh, troublesome image up top. So the Nauman show, Rob. Which, so which peaches? When, when you think about Bruce Nauman, which pieces do you think uh-huh. about, if any? There's the classic piece of him like spewing water out of his mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is like a performance piece of his. He did a bunch of neon stuff. There's like the neon piece that's in the MCA Chicago that I think of, and I can't remember what it says but it's like some two words run from run from fear and fun from rear rear that's right okay yes so you've probably seen clown torture right where there's a clown laying on the ground and kicking its feet and then yelling like it's uncomfortable and then some poor docent has to stand next to that thing for eight hours a day (laughs) when i went to see his stuff these are the things i was thinking about so there's like kind of uh, sophomoric wordplay. There are these neons where there's people having sex, but you know it's sort of like an animation with two um, two poses for each figure, and so it's all very mm-hmm. kind of essential. And then um, clown torture, you know, just as this clown yelling and screaming, and so these works I'd really hated. And then um, when I went to see his show, there was so much there. So one of the things he did really well was preparatory images. So there'd be a really big, nice piece of paper. And then the neon would get laid out at full scale with really big, fat markers or paint or whatever. And so, yeah, so those works really, I mean, they, they felt significant. And in fact, I I don't feel like they needed to be neon at all. (laughs) You know, uh, you could just kind of lay out this thing and, you know, the, the monumental scale of the paper, made you feel like your body related to it. And then the, um, you know, the sort of blah sexual reference, it got along perfectly fine as a scribble, you know, so coming out of that show, I was kind of thinking about that whole, you know, when you're walking around in your studio and you're just feeling like a phony. And indeed he talks about that, you know, getting out of grad school and having the studio and just kind of wandering around in there and pacing and then thinking, Oh, well, if I just paced at the studio all day, well, that was art. Or, you know, if I like just, you know, yeah. So he'll make films about just walking back and forth or something. And so I was trying to think about my own kind of imposter syndrome. So I went to this conference, you know, I'm not an art historian. I'm trying to kind of mix things up with Nick and this, and this badge thing. And so we found a party 
where the president of the organization was and we put a badge, you know, like we just walked in there and put a badge on him and said, hey, can we have the contract for the whole thing? And he said, yeah, well, send me a proposal. Some of the other things I'm posting, posting are just examples of me trying to do and be everything at the same time and to do the things I really enjoy and then get to that really scary moment. So I'm, I'm basically done with the physical problem of making a device that can move a sled up and down a track. So I can stand on that thing and it doesn't even skip a step, you know, and I'm uh, 200 pounds plus. So I can put a giant weight on this thing, like a huge TV or whatever. And now I'm kind of ready. And then now is the thing, which is like, I'm going to be found out because like, who, who, who cares about content? I just want to go make, like solve the next technical problem, you know? So anyway, so, so the basic thing I'm moving forward with is I'm trying to make images about parts of the body and to locate them in spaces to talk about public spaces being like the body. Um, so for example, the, you know, tunnels underneath, uh, downtown Chicago and the way that people move through them, like blood cells or paramecium or whatever. These are like the kind of cold weather tunnels. Yeah, like, yeah. Is what I think of sure. is like the sort of, un- there's a kind of underground basement level network of like being able to get from point A to point B in the loop uh, because you don't want to go outside because it's very cold. Well, yeah. And, and then there's, there's spaces down there for little businesses. And I think there's even a fine arts gallery now. That um, I think it's oh, called really? P11 or something. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, it's so my sort of dream with this is to, you know, 3D model a bunch of objects like teeth, for example, and then I need to break them down into slices. Yeah, I was curious about the teeth. Well, it's about the tooth, like you know, I was thinking about just the um the veins or the you know circulatory system of the city, and trying to position a bunch oh. of ghostly floating organic matter. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm still working on it because, you know, content is not my, my strong suit, but the tooth was, a, was an attempt to start to model because my, my uh, organic modeling is not super strong. So I wanted to get into Rhino, make a really believable object. And then I'm in the last scene, I'm casting it um, in metal, which is something I'm working on for one of my classes as a demo um, where I got this specifically heat resistant silicone rubber but then when I did all the math, it did not fill the mold form all the way, and it's setting up. So I'm like jamming oh. extra pieces of plywood into the mold to just try to increase the um, the overall uh, level, like how far it rises. So the last the last image is a mold. Yeah, you can o- almost only see just the wooden form that's holding that material, but the tooth is uh, suspended by the nail on the interior of that thing. I see, I see. And so the red stuff is the is like some kind of. Uh, rubber or yeah mold max 60 whatever is making the yeah, mold yeah. Mm-hmm. okay what is that stuff is it rubber is it i think it's a silicone, silicone uh based material yeah. i just know this one is non-toxic and then i see so what i thought was blood yeah. is 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 silicone like does it does have like mold making <laughs> liquid that hardens over yeah. time i see and so okay okay yeah okay and then the nail that with the weird goop around it is the what you're using to dank to suspend the tooth in space so it doesn't just rest on the bottom of the right, mold? You get it. Is yep, that right? Okay. Okay. Cool. Got it. How did you make the giant tooth in the first place? Uh, that was just um, I went into Rhino and uh, one of the classic tutorials is how to make a rubber duck. That's like a classic. You know, it's a familiar object and you, you do it by distorting spheres. Um, it's I've got a post up on my website right now. If you go to just the first layer of my website. Uh, taylorhoganson.com you can see it on there but uh so i was making the tooth 
uh, as a sort of challenge, but then it's also going to be visualized in this um, in this track system that I'm making. The tooth I saw is that the tooth is that 3D printed or like yeah, it looks very much like a tooth, like it's very white, that bone white. Color. Yeah, so that's 3D printed on the uh, object printer that we have, which is a uh, a resin oh. printer as opposed to a oh, fused cool. deposition modeling printer. So it's little points of light that are hardening a um, uh, a fluid resin. And um, oh yeah, cool. It winds up floating in a. Um, so it's possible for that stuff to be really shiny, but only where it doesn't come into contact with support material. So if you're already going to have areas that are matte, you may as well just print support material covering the whole thing. And then you wind up with uh-huh. something that, in this particular case, actually mimics the enamel of the tooth pretty well. But that's just sort of... Um, yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, what am I looking for? It's incidental here because it's being used as a mold, as a mold uh, positive. That's neat. Thanks, man. Man, you got a, you got a lot done this week. <laughs> and so in this case with camouflage, you know, it just took me back to the way that I feel like I'm participating in these communities without really, you know, like doing what, what the romantic version of what that's supposed to look like, you know, like going mm-hmm, into the mm-hmm. studio and yeah, painting in, your picture predator for, mode yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But the, the other two shows that I saw that were really incredible, uh, were at the new museum in New York. So one of them was, oh. uh, Nari Ward, uh, and the, we, the people show. So he had about three floors of the new museum Really, really incredible stuff. Just giant pieces. Like um, one of them was. Have you ever been in this city? I, I get the impression this is more like in the south, but where there'd be a big, wide open space, like a festival or something, and you'd have a kind of crow's nest for cops. So that's something that they'd pull up, and it's like oh, two stories yeah. tall, uh-huh. and then you're up there. So there was like one of those completely adorned with um, blue tarping material with random lasers pointing out of it. Like people were, you know, um, gun sighting out of it. And there was a taxidermied Uh fox riding on it with an Afro wig. And just like, just all this super amazing Afrocentric stuff. But in ways, um, one of the pieces, a couple of them really heavily featured salt and dried codfish, I think. So, you know, you walk into these rooms and just be slapped in the face with the smell of it and, you know, the um, it kind of almost taste sensation you could get just by being around it. So that cool. show was super amazing. And then there was an uh, internet show on the first floor, like a net art show that I think was uh, put on by Rhizome, which is pretty amazing too. Um, some of the stuff, you know, a little bit kind of obvious, but there was this great piece, which was um, a Chinese dictionary where someone went through and tried to address all of the different, words that you're not allowed to use um, in the Chinese internet. And so they pr- produced oh, this cool. printed book that addressed okay words and not okay words. It just felt really impactful to me. And it didn't go, you know, which I really appreciated. Like it could be a book and it could have this really important tie into the internet and it didn't have to bleep or bloop or anything like, like most of the other work did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Huh. Wow. Man, you saw a bunch of stuff in New York. That's oh, let cool. me tell you. Yeah, we went to a lot of places. And I was lucky that Nick uh, Bontrager and uh, Adam Fung, his uh, colleague, had done all this research. So I just kind of walked along with them, and then we would eat and look That's at the galleries and eat yeah. and repeat. You can find photos of our finished projects over at our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com. We have links to our show notes, and we also post cool stuff to our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast. 
If you share a podcast episode on social media or rate us on iTunes or some other cool thing to let people know about the podcast, we will mail you an Opposable Thumb sticker. Just contact us on Instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email, which is opposablepodcast at gmail.com. And a shout out to the Mighty Wolf Mask who designed our Neon Thumb Wrestlers logo. You can check out his cool art over at wolfmaskart.co.uk. We'd like to give a shout out to Adam Mayer, Deb Chatra, Blondie Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Katundu, and David Bellhorn. They're our top Patreon supporters. Thank you to all those mm-hmm. cats. If you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you donate really helps. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. Taylor, I have one thing that I'm into bring, that I yeah, want to share with you. It's a YouTube. It's a YouTube video. So there's a book with gilt edges. Oh yeah, I've seen this before for sure. This type of thing, where you uh, I had never seen you it. take your thumb and press it against the uh, edge of the pages so that they distort, and then you wind up with these little hidden paintings. Um. In this case, a landscape. Yeah, yeah. This is, you hadn't counted. That's a that's fun then to discover. No, yeah. So it's like an old book, you know, like a leather bound book with golded edge, gold edges, gilded edges, gilt edges. I guess yeah. what it's called. And the video is this person who's like you know wearing the classic white cotton gloves, and he takes the stack of pages that is the book, like takes the the front, and the back, kind of pulls them back, and he just kind of bends the pages into like a u shape like just kind of i don't know what you i don't know how to describe that but like you would just kind of mash the center of the book and it makes the pages splay slightly and this whole cool landscape from in that book i think the landscape is a reference to a scene in the book no mm-hmm. oh, nice should we pick our next challenge from the opposable thumb challenges from our guest yeah. yeah here do you want to pick the number cool. this time yeah i have the sheet up mm-hmm. I'll close the tab then so I can't see it. Yeah, so pick uh, one through four. One through four. One through four. Four. Okay, Periscope. Ah, Ranjit, look at that. It all comes back together. Oh, (laughs) nice. (laughs) Wow, cool. So Periscope is our challenge. That's awesome. And I happen to know that this one uh, may be particularly useful for our next guest. I'm I'm curious to see how she responds to this one. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. That's great. All right. Dang, cool. Well, Taylor Camouflage, we did mm-hmm. it. Great work. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Shout out to Charlene for the Camouflage Challenge. And now we have to tackle Periscope. They're somewhat, they're kind of related in a weird way. I don't know. How weird. Military industrial vibe. Yeah. Um, so now hmm. we got to figure out how to bail out of here with some, with uh, elegantly. Yeah, we don't have a guest to thank. Well, Taylor, I hope your tooth comes out okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and when I was suspending it in that mold, I had to drill into it, which felt really weird. Ooh. Yeah, that's like a, Ooh, yeah. About, Ouch. About that. It's like a, that scene in Running Man. Or Running Man? Uh, maybe that's like... Oh. What was that? With Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, see, that's the wrong one. Wait, what was the Dustin Hoffman movie where he got caught by a Nazi and then they like drilled his tooth out live? Or, anyway. We, we, we oh, can't end on that no. note.
I'm gonna go let a dog out. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who? You got Ooh. that right. <laughs> You've been waiting your whole life for that joke. <laughs>